What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another Tanner Wilkinson podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Tanner Wilkinson. Today, we're joined by two guests, but not the guests who you would normally think. We got Tim Gatman. Tim, say what up. What up? How's everybody doing? Good to see Tim back on the podcast. And then our guest from last episode, we, we can't get him. We can't get rid of him. He's just he's stuck here in purgatory, I guess. Drew Lomar. Drew, what up? What's up, guys? Good to be back. First ever repeat guest. We've had Stodd come on as a guest, and then he just wouldn't leave the pirate ship. So we, we just let him on board forever. <laughs> Until he he he's, he went on his own uh, like little dinghy now and he's just doing his own thing. <laughs> Tough look for for the Tanner Wilson podcast, or maybe it's better that he's he's not on. Yeah, tough uh, look for Stod. Stod might be on the hot seat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, don't, oh. don't hate that. A little ooh <laughs> podcast rivalry. I like this. But let's uh, let's just jump right into our first topic. Uh, obviously, our last episode was our NBA draft preview. Um, I, I got a lot of feedback on that. Uh, a lot of people call me dumb, which was an interesting take. My dad said I was nuts for saying uh, Jonathan Kaminga, who I just butchered his name the first time I ever I ever said it, and then I picked it right. He was going to the Warriors. I told you that they were gonna they were gonna go for the guy who can produce down the line first, and then take the guy who produces right away. Um, Drew, I want to I want to ask you this question: What was your biggest surprise of the draft? There's a couple. I'd say the first was Josh Primo going as a lottery pick, number 12. Like, he was on most people's boards. He was, like, end of first round, early second round. And the Spurs kind of just – I don't even know what to call that. I don't know that anybody was expecting that. But he is the youngest player in the draft, so I don't really hate it. I will say um, one of Tim and I's good buddies, Kate Hines, is a big Spurs fan, and you should have seen the look on his face when they said oh, Josh sure. Primo. He thought for sure it was going to be Sengun from the Turkish kid, and then I tried to tell him it was going to be the kid from the kid from Spain from Real Madrid, and neither. That's of that who I was thinking. Um, what else you got? What else? What else surprised you? Um, Scotty Barnes at four was a bit of a shock. Not as much, but like it seemed like. Everyone was operating under the assumption Jalen Suggs, number four, Toronto. But I will say I I was thinking there was a possibility for Barnes to go four just based on the fact that we have heard rumors that Siakam was being uh, packaged around in deals. So that kind of made sense. Once it happened, I was like, ah, I see what they're going with. Also, Suggs, it will stay on the Suggs uh, conversation. Suggs slip into five really makes things interesting for the magic because they have three really good in my opinion really good young guards i i haven't lost faith in faith in markel obviously went down last year with i think was it achilles i believe so he went down because i know either it was him or um jonathan isaac they both had season ending injuries one was achilles one was acl so i don't know which was which but and then they have cole anthony who's probably going to come off the bench i would assume for them so I think the the whole backcourt for the for the Magic is very interesting. They're really young if you if you really think about it. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I love obviously the backcourt's a little crowded, like you were saying, but I love Suggs here. Kind of gives them some direction, which you know they were lacking the last couple of years. You just didn't know really what the thought process was. But like they have their guy as a lead guard now, and then they added right afterwards Franz Wagner 
on the wing, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, moving forward, him and Jonathan Isaac, that's pretty scary defensively on the wing. So I, they were one of the big draft winners to me, Orlando. Yeah. And, um, oh, if we can, I was actually going to talk, I was going to ask you who your big winners and losers were, but, uh, before you try and steal one of mine, my big winner was the Hornets. I think the Hornets got exponentially better in this draft. James Booknight falling all the way down to 11, which was something I didn't even think was going to happen. That was a shocker. Once he went to, once he fell to golden state, I thought, Oh, this is, this is their pick. I, I, I immediately thought, all right, they'll, they'll go for in the, in their second pick, they'll go for that future guy. But they, they they passed on him, and he fell to the Hornets. The Hornets also traded back into the first round to get Kai Jones, who we were both really high on in our pre-draft show. So, just would be good for the it would be good for the podcast if Kai turned out to be pretty good. Yes, it would. No, but I love both of those picks from uh, the Hornets. Book night, you now have like your guy going forward as the off guard to Lamelo's, uh, you know, playmaking, and then Kai Jones, like. If he doesn't pan out, it is what it is. They didn't reach for him. But if he does pan out, like this guy could be one of the most athletic players in the NBA in a few years, if not from day one, just catching yeah. lobs from LaMelo. I'm licking my chops already. I mean, you said it in the, pre- in the pre-draft show. Um, he does have that Giannis potential. He definitely has yeah. that ability to, if he can, like Giannis doesn't really have a handle, but he can, he can just dribble like, and in the NBA, at at all five positions, you need to be able to just be able to dribble within within yourself, especially in the in the half court set. And if he can just be able to take that coast to coast like Giannis does, oh boy, watch out! Yeah, exactly. You don't need you don't need to be breaking guys off on the dribble when you're a six foot eleven, you know, Russell Westbrook athlete. Like Absolutely. you just got to be able to get by him and you know finish above the rim, which is exactly what he's going to do. Do you got any other winners on the on the night? Houston was my other big winner. I like that love as well. what they did. Like, obviously the Jalen green pick, you know, we all know, we all kind of knew that was coming and they get an A there because in any other non Cade draft, you know, like that's a first overall pick, but beyond him, you got our guy. Well, my guy from the pre-draft show, Alper and Shingun fell out of the lottery. They traded a first to get him, and they paired him right after with Garuba from Spain which those two to me, long-term, they fit absolutely perfectly together. That marriage, like as they develop, like Shingun's deficiencies were always, you know, all right, what's he going to be on defense? Garuba kind of covers that up because he was my pick in last show as the draft's best defender overall. And yeah. Garuba's offensive deficiencies, you now have Shingun, you know, who can kind of take all that on his own. I just, I love what they did there. I want to say... uh for another winner, I want to have the, the Hawks in there. Uh, Jalen Johnson at the 20 spot. I mean, high upside, low se- low, uh, low floor. So it, it, it's that's what you take with a 20th overall pick, though. And then in the second round, they get maybe could be the best scorer in this draft, Sharif Cooper. Yeah, I love I'm not as high on the Jalen pick, which I'll get to in a second. But Sharif Cooper at 48 could be an absolute home run. You know, like last half of the second round, you get a guy who is in the conversation for one of the best passers and playmakers in this draft. Like, what's not to love getting that as your backup if you're a Hawks fan? Well, especially if they don't. I don't know what Lou Will's contract situation is, but I don't think he. I don't think he's still on the team. So he's a free agent now. Yeah. So if you can just put him in that Lou Will role, 
And w- once Trey comes off the bench, they have a guy who can like break down the defense and get to the rim or get to the rim and pass it, get to the rim and kick it, pull up from 10 feet. And that, I mean, that's, that's exactly what he did at all at Auburn. I mean, I yeah. don't see why it can't work in the NBA, especially when there's maybe less defense. Yeah. I mean, he was playing in the SEC. I've, I've been told as an OU fan, it just means more in the SEC. So, Oh, well, everybody knows that. It just, it's just something extra to it. It's just something extra. Uh, who do you got as your, as a loser in, t- in the draft? <laughs> Well, my biggest loser didn't actually get a draft pick. You want me to just go into that or Yeah, let's let's hear it. It's the Los Angeles Lakers. They uh, we to need me... to talk about this. We needed to talk about this. I know where you're going. Let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for Russ to look off LeBron and then oh. brick a three. Just oh terrible. I'm shaking my head already. It's gonna be so much fun to watch. LeBron's gonna be like yelling at him on the bench, be like They'll be going at each other halfway through the year. Oh, yeah. He's the scapegoat now. He's got his scapegoat. Yeah, 100%. Anything wrong with that team, it is Westbrook's fault. Russell Westbrook. The thing I I see this as, um, they went after Russ because they need a guy who's going to control the game when LeBron's not playing. I could see LeBron not – LeBron's definitely done playing 82 games a year. LeBron's done probably playing 75 games a year. He might be and, looking at 60 from here on out. Yeah, 60 at about 32 to 36 minutes. From yeah. Probably nothing more than that. So when LeBron's not playing, you need that guy like Russ who will just shoot it every time, go get his own rebound, lay it back up, miss it, get his own rebound, lay it up again. Like, that's what Russ does. <laughs> I mean, they have to have that second guy now. That's how the NBA is kind of going. I mean, you look at the Nets, yeah. and once you got to the playoffs, they're like, we just need to get to the playoffs. We'll play KD one game, sit the other two. James Harden and Kyrie will play another game. KD and Harden will play the next game. Kyrie will start the next. Like they'll just flip people on and off, so you, they can just kind of uh, systematically find their way into the playoff. And once you get in the playoff, then you just play them together. You saw what it did for the Nets. The Nets were one bad ankle by Kyrie and James Harden not being fat. They they're and. KD having a one size smaller shoe and they're probably the NBA champions. Like yeah. all, all of those little things that just don't go the Bucks way. The Bucks don't, don't get out of the second round again. So they went to that, that other superstar format. The bad part about it is a team that went from having no shooters somehow has less shooters after the trade. Yep. yep. Right now, as it sits, LeBron James is the best three point shooter on that team. Absolutely. He was the only player to make 100 threes last year. And the pre-draft, like hours before the draft, Woj tweets, Kuzma, Harold to the Kings for Buddy Heald. Like almost a done deal. So I was like, okay, this makes a whole lot of sense. A guy who can space oh, the four out for LeBron. Like AD can still play the four if, if, if Buddy Heald's in the lineup. So that's perfect. But now you AD has to play the five. Like there, there's no more like 80. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to play the five. Oh, I, someone else big can go down there. No, dude, you have to play the five now, especially with Russ in there. They can't, they can't have two bigs because Russ already can't shoot outside. Offensively, Russ can. is a big, like that's how you have to treat him. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is yeah, so like, like you, you sit inside sec, like six to eight feet and just say, I dare you to make a shot. I dare you. Yeah. He's a non-threat outside the paint. He's like, 
almost worse. Like Marcus Saul gives you more spacing than Russell Westbrook does. Yeah, absolutely. But, <laughs> to go on that, I'm looking at a Lakers roster right now with salaries and everything. This is alarming. They have five as like before free agency, they have five rostered players at the current moment. Their top three, if you combine their salaries, they are over the cap on those three players. They are six million short of the luxury tax with five players in the roster. And the best shooter of those five players is a LeBron James going into his 19th season in the NBA. And that's this how, is that's... like this could be so problematic. This could be the worst spacing LeBron has had since like his first two or three years in Cleveland. With, I'll ask you like, this. No hyperbole. Would you call it a space jam? <laughs> There's no better phrase to call it than space jam. We're, I'm adding. I'm adding in like a <laughs> after that. That was that was way too good. As but, you should. I mean, I don't know. I don't understand it. Like if you if you trade for healed, the healed trade didn't even have the pick oh. in it. You could have exactly. taken you like we said in the pre-draft. You could have taken Io at, at twenty-two, or just traded back anyway and gotten more picks because that's what you need if you're if you're over the or at the luxury tax with five players on your roster. The thing that helps you is just having those young players that are on like nothing contracts. And obviously, yeah. you could go the other way with it and get vet minimums, but yeah. But like, I don't know. They said they're interested in Mello. Like, is that yeah. going to be the plan to get Mello, who can't guard anybody in? His floor spacing is he's in the corner. He'll pat, we'll pass it to him. He'll back the guy down and sh- turn around and shoot it. Like, I, mean, I don't, yeah. I feel like there's just no plan. I don't understand the plan. Every team needs to have a plan and they don't have one to me. Yeah. Like they have to fill out 15 roster spots. Like realistically, they'll be able to re sign like one of Caruso, Taylor Horton, Tucker, KCP with the little extra space they got. Even then, that'd be a little cheap. After that, you're filling out like a nine spots off vet minimums and undrafted free agents on a team that hopes to compete for a finals. I just don't see it. I will say they did pick up some undrafted free agents. Um, your boy, Joel Ajayi. Is that how you say it from Gonzaga? Yeah, I didn't see that. They did pick him up. They picked up Austin Reeves from Oklahoma and they picked up Matt McClung. So interesting names. Like all three of them could maybe not make the roster because they're only on like the summer league, but I don't don't understand how it's what they're doing. Ayai is the second best guard on their roster right now, which is absolutely wild. Yeah, who's their? It's just Russ. Russ is their other guard, right? And Alfonso McKinney, who's more of a wing, I guess. But yeah, it's just those guys. Yeah, that's insane. Um. I mean, the stat is, statistically speaking, Russell Westbrook is the worst three-point shooter in the history of the sport of basketball based on volume. Like, anyone over yep. a certain amount of makes, he is the worst. Like, that's that's bananas to me. By a wide like, margin, too. Yeah. Like, you, like, most people were like, oh, I'm bad at shooting threes. I'm not going to shoot threes. Russ said, no, no, no. Not me. Not Russell Westbrook. I'm going to shoot threes. That- he has the shooting mentality of like a Duncan Robinson, but he shoots half the percentage of Duncan Robinson, but he thinks like I'm due. So I'm going to keep going here. It just, it just continues to not work and he continues to do it. Well, I'll tell you this. It's not, it's not Duncan Robinson. It's the Dion waiters. If I go 0 for nine, I stop. You're trying. absolutely I'd right. I'd rather go 0 for 30. 
Uh-huh. It's, it's the Dion Waiters method. You failed your team if you go 0 for 30. Yeah, exactly. Or 0 for 9. Rather. 0 for 9. So you, you better go yourself 0 for, if you go 0 for 30. Yeah. Uh-huh. Tim, you got anything else to say about this uh, bananas trade? No. Just that I think it's going to be funny to watch. It'll it'll be it'll make for great television. I'll say it's that. It's good. I mean, the storyline, like the obvious storyline, is Russ. Like, imagine a Russ and the Lakers, or I guess it'd be like Lakers versus Nets. Mm-hmm. It'd like be Russ. Is Russ, Russ and LeBron and, versus KD and Kyrie. They just flip flop. Yeah, yeah. So, um, let's let's see what else. Oh, back to our winners and losers. I got a I got a big loser. Uh, the okay. Knicks. Because not only yeah. did the Knicks, not only did they pass on Sharif Cooper once, they passed on him twice. They also passed on him a third time. They passed on him three times in the draft. They traded back a bunch. And I was with a Knicks fan. Every time the Knicks were on the clock, he said, this is the Sharif Cooper pick. This is the Sharif Cooper. It never landed. And they went with, I'm looking at my tweets. And as the draft went on, the, the, my my tweets started making less sense because the more um, – alcohol went in my body so i don't really know if this is true but did they get keon johnson uh they drafted him but he was they were drafting for the clippers he's a clipper uh so who did they get they got quentin grimes in the first round which i do kind of like that pick then they got some guy named rokas jokubitis from lithuania who is apparently almost for sure not coming over. He's going to be like a multi-year stash guy. And then Miles McBride, which I don't hate that. And then Jericho Sims from Texas. So as a team, they were terrible shooting wise and they didn't get anyone who could shoot is what I'm hearing. Grimes can shoot it. But other than that, yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, man, that's, that's tough. Do you got any other losers? I'm trying to think here going through a list. I don't love what the Sixers did, but I can't call them a loser. Like Jaden Springer could find some rotation minutes. He's a good defender, but after him, they drafted two centers, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, Oh, Embiid hasn't played a full season in his whole career, right? Yeah, no, not even close. So, like, I, I understand, like, maybe one of them hits and you just have your backup center for a while, which would be good because Embiid's not going to play 82. He's going to play 60, like we said with LeBron, because unlike LeBron, he's not old. He just has old an old body. Yeah, he's just made of glass. Yeah. Um, who did your, who'd your nugs take? I, they took Bones Highland, Nashawn Highland from uh, VCU. I didn't. I didn't know a ton about him like before the draft. He just wasn't really on my radar. Absolutely love this pick now that I kind of know about him. He he has some serious like three-point shooting range. Like he's he can pull up from like Trey and Dame territory and make it with reasonable consistency. But yeah, he's like a combo guard that can shoot it, which is exactly what you want playing with Jokic. So I have no complaints. And he's got a fire nickname, Bones. Pretty good nickname. Best name in the draft, Bones Island. Also, am, am I getting this right that the Nets selected Cameron Johnson? Yeah, I like – they got him and De'Ron Sharp. I like the Nets draft. 
Yeah, that's really good. I mean, Cameron Johnson, like, is where do you play? Oak Hill or Mount Verde, somewhere like that? One of the two. One of those. I think he was like, I think he's like their leading scorer ever. And at LSU, he averaged over 20 a game. So they got the best, they got a guy who can just get a bucket. And then he seems like, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, Daron Sharp can just clean up on the offensive glass, which is something that never hurts, especially in the NBA. Yeah, they got Cam Thomas seems like they're sort of Landry Shamit replacement. They just dealt him. I don't remember where to. But uh and then Daron Sharp. To the Suns. To the Suns for for the 29th pick. That's right. So for Daron Sharp. But uh yeah, like the only other real big is Claxton on their roster. And he's he's very different stylistically than Sharp. Now they finally have a guy that can hold his own in the glass, which was like the one thing their roster was missing last year. Yeah, I w- I watched a lot of Nets games and Claxton was abysmal, around like yeah on the on the boards. It was because I'd always have him in my DraftKings lineup and he would just do nothing for me off on the rebounds, which I'm like, come on, man, they, they shoot a thousand shots a game. You can't get in there and get a couple of boards. Exactly. But yeah, Dayron Sharp. If nothing else, he'll he'll clean up on the glass. Yeah. Um. Any uh, anything else from the draft you want to talk about, Lamar? Oh, I have. I actually have a. I have a. My favorite moment of the whole draft, besides. Oh yeah. Terrence, besides Terrence Clark, that was that was a touching moment. I liked that. Yeah, that um, was good. Did you hear Kendrick Perkins try to say Moses Moody's name? <laughs> that was hilarious. Maybe my. <laughs> I'm gonna just play it on on my phone, but it's gotta be like the. It's it's like him saying Vucevic, big big boost, yeah. big boo boo boost. Two of the best to ever do it. When you look at Modi Moses, Modi Moses, Modi Moses, Modi Moses, Modi Moses, Moses, Moody, what he did. The best part, Reese Davis just comes in. Is like I've had enough. Moses Moody. I, I was thinking about it. If if he doesn't step in, do they just go the whole night? Him trying to say Moses Moody name, like the like. It would have been a, a good full two hours four or five of him just going unannounced with Perk just rambling, just Moody, just trying Moody. to figure it out. Perk, Perk might have been the biggest winner of the night. I loved Perk on the cast. Everyone was hating on him. He had a tie that was fit for a, a three-year-old. He uh, yeah. He said Cade Cunningham is the next LeBron James. He also said Evan Mobley is uh, Bill Russell reincarnated, which is I saw a take. That. that was a take. That's something. Um, and also after Mike Schmidt would talk, uh, he just like Mike Schmidt would just give his rundown of a player. And Kendrick Perkins would just say, yeah, I got nothing left to say. And when you're supposed to be an anal- like analysis guy, that's not what that's not what the company wants you to do. They're like, ah, he t- he's got he's got a point. That's it. I'm done. Thank you. Hey, he's just a hot take guy. The uh, Evan Mobley is the next Bill Russell type of guy. That's what he's there for. I heard that. And I was like, wow. Ten- Look at the rings. Look at the rings on. You on want Mobley to talk already. about putting pressure on a rookie. You got to go get me 11 rings to live up to your first televised draft comp. Thanks to Kendrick Perkins. Oh, I will say another weird moment. Your boy, uh, your boy from Turkey, just walking out with his teammate. Like everyone else has their family. He just walked. The way I imagine it went down was like, he was on the phone and he's not even like close with his teammate. He's like, Hey, do you just want to go to the draft? And he's like, uh, sure. And he, he's like, to New York t- with me. He's like, uh, sure. And he's like, yeah, he's like talking to his friend. He's like, I didn't, I didn't even, I'm not even a big, big friends with Cindy. And like, he just, he just asked me, what was I supposed to say? No, I can't say no. He was just put in a sticky situation where he can't say no. Yeah. 
But yeah, that was your uh, that was your draft uh, summarize. There's uh, before we move on, I got a couple more teams here. Go ahead, go ahead. Just more low key, but uh, I thought the Clippers did pretty well for going into it like without any. I don't even know if they had any picks initially, but they ended up with Keon Johnson, who is arguably the best athlete in this draft. Jason Preston, who you were a big fan of in the pre-draft show, and then. I don't love this guy, but BJ Boston at the 51st pick seems like no-brainer value. So I, I'm a fan of what they did, especially given that they'll have a full year to play these guys a lot of minutes while Kawhi's not playing with veterans, which should help them. Yeah, I mean, Boston, that's just that's just take the take the guy. You take you take the guy who was a five star who fell in the draft, you just take him. And yeah, if he's he nothing, it's dang, we wasted a second round pick. If he's something, it's yep. There, that was pretty obvious. It was pretty obvious that we uh, we should have done that. Yeah, it's and like then, not even like a good second rounder either. This is like Luca Garza territory in the fifties. It feels like the obvious pick. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then I like I like the Paxton kid. I mean, cool story. I, I wish him the best in the pros. What else you got? Uh, last one I thought was interesting was just what the Pacers did. Um, Duarte at 13 kind of felt like people knew that was coming, and I like him there. But Isaiah Jackson, they got the pick for him uh, in the aftermath of that Lakers-Wizards trade. To me, this is almost a surefire indicator. Miles Turner's out of there. Another center, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's just another uh, variable to watch for the rest of the offseason. Who ends up with Miles Turner? I mean, I don't know where I sit with Duarte, just based on the fact that he's the same age as Devin Booker, who's been in the league for seven years now. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't, it just doesn't sit right with me that Devin Booker is going to be in the league for a thousand years and Duarte is going to play four years and have to retire because he's so old. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing with him, though, is that's like the only drawback. He's just really solid everywhere else. So I guess if you can stomach the age, I like the pick there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see if he can come in day one and, and contribute like he like and like uh, what an older player in the draft is supposed to do. He's those are the guys that come in day one and contribute to the team. If he can do that, then it's then it works out for him. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's transition into, uh, let's get, let's get the big, the big man back in the conversation. Tim, what, what are we on now? What do we, let's talk about something. Oh, are we, I don't know. The fights. We, we had a big, Adrian a big Kate. combat sport weekend. Yeah. Uh, we had probably the biggest fight in Bellator history. Uh, well, not like viewership wise, but like from like, it was Constant, their number yeah. one fight, yeah, fighter versus like the guy who solely come up through their organization. So it was like a big deal. And uh, AJ McKee, the like 26 year old undefeated phenom, uh, steamrolled Pitbull, uh, who is who before you could make an argument is probably in the top three in lightweight um, in the world. And uh, I don't know. I think both those guys, I think, would do well in the UFC, and it'd be it'd be pretty interesting to see uh, McKee. I think it'd be. I hope Dana brings up brings out the check. 
I hope Dana caves on this one and gives him gets gives him enough to co- have him come over. So yeah, we go over to the UFC. It'd be so much fun. Yeah, we talked about this earlier. Um, I think the flyweight is definitely a division kind of lacking in the UFC, like in depth, obviously. Um, I, don't I mean, know. you look. Well, you look like look at the divisions. Uh, like one thirty five is so stacked, and lightweight is super stacked. So you see the two divisions around it. It's pretty stacked. Obviously, well, obviously one twenty five won't be as stacked. Uh, middleweight's pretty stacked. Uh, or welterweight's pretty stacked. Middleweight's decent. Lightweight's not very good, and heavyweight's decent. No, heavyweight's terrible. Once you get out the top like four. Well, you, there's. I, I mean, nine is heavyweight's so shallow. Heavyweight's very, very top heavy. Same well, with- you got you got the the two fighting next weekend. You got Jones, who's never gonna fight. Maybe. Yeah. You got uh, you- Stepe, and you got Ngannou. Yeah. But then there's but guys. I mean, uh, but then there's other guys that are there, like you uh, could throw like Rosencrantz in there. Rosencrantz, yeah. Curtis Blades. Uh, who am I missing? Who's the white guy that just lost I mean, the game? Volk, Volk, Volkov. Volkov. What's Volkov, his name? Alexander yeah. Volkov. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they got they got names. Heavyweights. Oh, I mean, none of those guys. I can't realistically see many of those guys except maybe Jones, maybe God beating Francis. Maybe, maybe, maybe God, but I can't. I I don't think I don't think there's anything really there for Francis, truthfully. Like, except Jones. I mean, I think this is just an attest to how good Ngannou is. Like Ngannou's, yeah. a, Ngannou's a monster right now. The fact that he's just the his last like besides like Stipe went early second. The like what was it four or five fights before that were first round KOs. Yeah, he fought like a total of, like under a minute the year prior. Like he's just got like scary knockout power. He's he's like, literally he's literally tearing everyone apart in front of him. It's so it's it's not yeah. really the the division's fault. It's that they just have a monster in the division right now. Let me look up the heavyweight rankings. Because it is not super deep. It's super top heavy. Yeah. Yeah, it's Francis Stipe, Gon, Lewis, Blades, Rosenstrike, Volkov, Sake. So after you get out of seven, it drops off. And then you just have like. That's kind of just how heavyweight is most of the times. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Heavyweight's always been like that. But, so I'd say it's pretty normal. I wouldn't say it's weak. It's pretty normal right now. Like, I mean, maybe I don't. I don't know. I don't really know many of these names in in this. Is is uh, Chan Sung Jung? Is he Korean zombie? Yes. Nope. Okay, I'm just looking at man. Like, I don't really know many of these names. Like, I'm I'm trying to get in the in the UFC, but I don't know many of these names in fly in featherweight. Well, Zabit. If he was ever healthy, he would be another guy at the top. Um, Brian Ortega's fighting for the belt. How do you think that? I, I'm interested in that one. I don't really like either of them personality-wise, but I, I think it's an intriguing fight because Ortega's like a submission. Like, he can pull out submissions. So, Volk has to be kind of careful about that. Um, I, and then, like, the Arnold Allen's like a guy on the rise. Josh Emmett's just like a – he just goes and he's the fun fighter to watch. Ige's whatever. I mean, Ige's 
I think he's all right, but he, I think he lost to Korean Zombie in his last fight. He did. Uh, and then Barbosa and uh, G. Uh, I can't. How G or how do I say the number ten ranked guy's name? Do you think? Your guess is as good as mine. Giga. Yeah, I have no clue. Giga. Okay. Uh, but he he's intriguing. I mean, they're fighting, so that'll be interesting. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean I'm just gonna say, like, you look at the bantamweight. Sterling, Jan, Dillashaw, Sanhagen, Font, Aldo, Garbrandt, well, yeah, Frankie Edwards, Cruz. You could argue Bantamweight's the best one in the in the in the UFC. You have well, how many former but then champs? You, but then you go up to lightweight, like go up to the division above it. Oliveira, Poirier, Gaethje, Dariush, yeah, uh, Chandler, Islam, like Ferguson, that, RDA, Hooker, McGregor. McGregor is the ninth yeah. best fighter, the ninth contender in that. Yeah. Like it's like, it's like, always been like that. Like it's always just been like a no one's really champion in lightweight for a super long unless you're Khabib. Because then you because it, it I think it's lightweight is what the average person or like average like it's kinda like that would be like where average people would like be fighting wise if you yeah, like I would, I would be yeah. I'd be a lightweight fighter. Look at me. Yeah. Man. But like but, you just look at it. Like 145 should have more, should be better than what it is, in my opinion. It just feels like they're lacking one of those like well, you, high profile up and comers, like a lot of the other divisions have. Like they don't have an O'Malley, they don't have a Chimaev, they don't have a. Well, Islam's a little past this now, but McKee from Bellator could hypothetically be that guy. Exactly. That's where that's where he has to come in and it. That, Dana, use that pay per view money that you just store under your mattress and, and give it to the give it to the kid, please. I I think white or flyweight or featherweight is also flat or hurt by the fact that like at the top you just have like two guys who are like a level above kind of everybody else. Like Volkanovski and Holloway have kind of shown that hey they're like the top and there aren't there aren't and that's why it's going to be interesting if Ortega is like the guy like if he can kind of get up there so i don't know i think mckee would definitely be in like the top five if not top three probably yeah i mean i agree i think i think it'd be a it'd be a good move on the ufc's part and definitely it would bolster up uh, a division that could use some bolstering i'll say it but i mean one thing i'm pissed off about is we'll, we'll continue this ufc talk but August 7th is my birthday. That's next Saturday. We have a big pay-per-view and there's not a real title fight on it. There's like, <laughs> come on. Amanda Nunez had to pull out because of COVID and there's just nothing on it. Like it was going to be a pretty decent card with Nunez on it. I mean, yeah. I think Aldo's fighting on that card. I think Aldo, Chiesa's uh, on that card. Is Chiesa? Is that, ooh. Yeah, that actually should be. Like, the, Chiesa... the whole main card was going to be very interesting, but... I don't know. I don't know. There's not a real, it's not a real fight that jumps out to me and is like, yeah, this is going to be, this is something that I'm going to sit down and, and put my full attention on. That's actually an interesting uh, main card. Yeah, it was going to have. Dong versus Casey Kenny. That's an interesting fight. Yeah, rather than that women's straw weight, it's just going to be, it was going to have Nunez on it. 
and I was like, oh, this yeah. this card is actually a pretty decently rounded out card. And then after that, Canier Gastelum. Well, the thing is, I'm I'm pretty sure the next like the next the, the rest of the cards the rest of the year are gonna be insane. Like two sixty six yeah. is shaping up for Volkanovski Ortega Shevchenko or uh, Valentina Shevchenko versus Lauren Murphy. Nick Diaz fights on that card versus Robbie Lawler. Curtis Blades Curtis on that card. Blades. Like that's gonna be a good card. Marlon Moraes. Ooh, that's gonna be good. Yeah, that card looks. Ooh, wow. And then 60, 67 is uh, Jan Blas Blas Blahovitz and Teixeira, and that's also Jan and Sterling are on that card as well. Ooh. Right. I'm not. And then not, isn't the one after that uh, Usman Kobe? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which already has Gaethje Chandler on it, which yeah. is going to be awesome. And we're not even standpoint. We're not even taking into account that uh, Poirier is going to fight before the end of the year, and probably Adesanya is going to fight before the end of the year. So that's Holloway either going to be December, too. and Holloway's got to fight again. So we got, we got like this is the last card. This is card's going to be pretty meh, and then the rest of them are going to be pretty insane. So I can get behind that. Yeah, I think they may be doing something different with Holloway because they haven't they haven't announced when the rescheduled fight is with the IR, which makes me think they may just they may do something. I don't know what else though. I don't know who they would. What were you saying, Lomar? <laughs> I was asking if you guys had talked uh, John Jones Francis at all. Yeah, John Jones gets hit by a Ford Escort and goes to bed. That's that's about how it goes. <laughs> I mean, I, don't know, man. I I will say it's glad I'm glad that uh, Lomar is replacing Stodd for this week because he fits perfectly into the Stodd mold of of being a uh, John Jones uh, dick writer. I'll say it. I am. Uh, I'm pro John Jones. I would pick him in that fight. I think. I mean. I'm not betting against Francis Ngannou. That's all I'm yeah. going like, Go ahead, he's dude. murdered everyone the last five or six fights. Like, I can't – you can't pick against that guy. Yeah, he's going to – yeah. And Francis is also, like, how big – Francis cuts to 265. Yeah, he's, like, walking around at, like, what, 280, 285? He probably swells yeah. back up. So, good luck, John, taking that down on, like – I will say John Jones is pretty fat. He might just be walking around at like 300 pounds. <laughs> He's like DC. DC size now. <laughs> uh, but Lomar, take us through that. Why do you, why do you think uh, John Jones wins that? Well, the reason I'm asking is every time I hear people talk about it, it's saying what you guys are saying. Like, oh, Francis in a landslide. Like, you, people are talking like John Jones is an old man now. He's younger than Kamara Usman is. He's like 33 or 34 years old. Yeah, but he's been fighting since he was 23 and almost yeah. lost. And almost he, – he, he, you definitely can argue he lost the Reyes fight. And you could make an argument he lost the Santos fight. But, and even if it. he didn't lose – even if he didn't lose the Santos fight, he didn't finish Thiago Santos – when he didn't have any knees. He literally tore his like MCL and ACL in both legs, in both knees at the beginning of the fight. And John just like sat there with him. And it was like, yeah. 
in the Reyes fight, you could make an argument. I mean, I don't think I don't think Reyes won. I think John did. I think John won the last three rounds. But I mean, you can definitely argue that he lost. Oh, you could argue. John also allegedly did like three week training camps for those fights, which is something to consider. Yeah, and I, I I don't know. He's also taking how many? He, he doesn't. He said he doesn't want to fight until the end of next year, right? Yeah, he that, is taking a sweet time. Yeah. So, which is probably the right approach if you're trying to put that much weight on, but yeah. I don't know how it goes stylistically. That's the thing I'm wondering. Like, yeah, is Jones gonna try and take him down? Which I don't know if he can. Like, Ngannou's worked so much on his takedown defense that I don't know if anyone can take down Francis Ngannou. Yeah, but if anybody's gonna do it, it's John Jones. Like at heavyweight. Well, yeah, I, mean, I don't, even I don't think does, anyone is going to do it. That's the problem. And, like, if anyone, yeah, but no one will. That's the problem. Even if Jones can take him down, that doesn't negate the fact that at the beginning of each round, he's going to have to dodge Frank. He's going to have to deal with Francis at some point coming at him, like standing up. And Francis is shown to have, like, just like one punch KO, like anyone. So but to play devil's advocate for a second. John Jones has the reach advantage by multiple inches here, which is a bit of a rarity for Francis opponents. And nobody in the UFC uses the length to their advantage in the way that John Jones always has. Like he's so creative about that. It will be significantly more difficult for Francis to like find the range with him is all I'll say. I mean, it's just going to be Fran. I just think it'll be Francis like trying to walk him down basically. Because I, I don't know if John can realistically hurt Francis on the feet. Like, well, you know, also, how much power does John Jones have now? Because he hasn't shown that again in his last few fights of having – it's been like point fighting, like being, like you said, like really high fight IQ point, like using his length to an advantage. But again, it's it's still a matter – it's not that big of a reach advantage. It's not what John's used to either. John's yeah, used to fighting true. these – these light heavyweights who are way shorter, way less reached comparably to him. So, fighting and Francis is just as big, if not bigger than him, like size wise. And he'll be, I mean, and he's just, he's huge. Like, to go against the, uh, the reach argument, he doesn't need to, like, Ngannou doesn't need to touch him up. He just needs to get one yeah. touch. That's like, he can, he can be yeah. off a little bit, but if he lands that one hit, it's it's night it's nights out it's go to sleep so I mean, yeah he can stay at distance but it just takes one and you saw that like you saw that i, I rewatched the stipe and ganu fight a couple weeks ago and the thing that happened at the end of the fight was which ultimately stipe got knocked out from it was and ganu heard him he went to the ground and Ganu went to the ground they both got up stipe hit him and it kind of it kind of wobbled him a little bit but like well, he wasn't, he was, he was just a little, a little hurt. And Stipe was like, all right, this is, he, he's like, I've touched him. I can go after him. And Ngannou just hit him one more time and it was over. Like if, if Jones yeah, tries to do that, good. that could be a very similar thing that happens in the John Jones fight. Yeah, it could. But you could also say John sees that because that's like, you know, what other film is there on guys going more than 20 seconds with Francis. <laughs> so he'll be, he'll be seeing what Stipe did. And think, okay, I am not going to win this fight via knockout. I cannot try to capitalize when I think I've hurt him. 
I just have to keep the distance and outlast him. Like that feels like the strategy, which and is when you it f- feels possible to me, if nothing else. Well, the thing that's interesting, like you mentioned, no, no one's lasted longer than 20 seconds with Francis and Ganu. It's yeah, how, how does he, how does he, you don't know get, his cardio or anything. Yeah, exactly. How do you, what happens when he gets to the third, what happens to if he, if he yeah. gets to the fourth. So there is a, there is a, a reality where he does get dragged into deeper waters and that, that could turn to John Jones's is advantage. But if, if Nganu had wins like the first three rounds, then it will have to be in or uh, uh, Jones has to get a submission or a, or a knockout. So, I mean, it's definitely one of the most intriguing fights in the UFC right now. I'll definitely say it, if not the most. Absolutely. Intriguing. Yeah. Sticking on this, on this UFC talk, Loma, I want to, I want to hear your like top five fighters. Cause I want to know, I want to know where your, your biases lie. Pound for pound. No, your uh, favorite, your favorite, your favorite. Uh, oh, favorite. Yeah. Ooh. John Jones is in there. Um, Dude, O'Malley might be in there now. I love him. O'Malley's so sick, dude. O'Malley's my like number three right now. Two or three for um, sure. I'm looking at these rankings list. I, you guys probably won't like this. Islam Makachev's definitely up there. I'm I'm pro like Islam. Islam. I'm pro like Islam. Islam. Absolutely. Okay. So what is that? Not three casuals here. Come on. Yeah, we're we're okay. we're intellectuals. <laughs> okay. We have nine thousand IQ. Appreciate some grappling. <laughs> Yeah, you're at three. And then I would say, hey, also, uh, this is this is an equality podcast, so don't be afraid to throw a woman in there. I was gonna say Nunez is my next one. Mm. And then interesting, uh, interesting choice in a, in a woman fighter, <laughs> but continue. Probably Max Holloway. Yeah. Yeah, they, I mean, that's a decent list. You chose the wrong woman's fighter. The right pick was obviously Rose Namajunas. Thug Dude, Rose, how but... do you? I just can't get enough to watch a Nunes. Like she might be the most dominant athlete relative to like her peers, like on the mm. planet right now. Uh, yeah. Right now. I would say I was going to say Serena, but that's just when, when Serena was at her peak, there was literally no one more dominant in. Well, in no, sports. yeah. She can't touch peak Serena, but Serena's Serena's a mom now. Yeah. She, I mean, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know who stops Nunez. Like, or Nunez. I, Nunez is just going to retire. Or there's going to be just some random pros- or some prospect who comes up who it's like, okay, the game has passed Nunez by, but I don't think that's ever. I think she'll retire before that happens. Well, my I favorite thing is like, I love that the UFC just made a women's featherweight division just for Amanda Nunez. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's like there's no rankings besides her. They're like, uh, sure. If you want to fight in this, we'll we'll feed you people if you want it. Yeah, her last well, fight was at 145 against that girl who was like six feet tall. Lasted what 20 seconds? 30 he like seconds landed ago. like three punches. That was it. <laughs> the best was that she was like minus like 600 going into it, and we were all watching the like the previews. And I was with people who like never watched UFC, and they're like, "That chick's huge. Like she's got to win." And I was like, "No, no, oh, no." Probably talking no, about no, value no. there against yeah. Nunes. They yeah. just don't understand. We're talking like, about prime Shaquille O'Neal here. <laughs> Wait, I saw. Hold on, I saw your tweet a while ago. What was your tweet uh, about? It was like a poll. Oh, the poll. Yes, it was who would win Nunez fighting at 145 versus uh, Brandon Moreno or Figueredo, whoever you want to say, at 125. And the poll was <laughs> unanimous victory for Amanda Nunez. 
<laughs> which which is probably right. First round submission, Nunez. It, it, uh-huh. it doesn't get out of the first two minutes. <laughs> no, I mean, that's – I don't know if it gets to a minute. Oh, that's hilarious. I mean, let's see. Lomar, you, you left uh, out some of my fighters, but that's okay. Oh, yeah, like who? I mean, you left Izzy? off Izzy. Izzy's my guy. Izzy's, Izzy would be an honorable mention. He's up there for me. Uh, my number Izzy's my number one. My number two. Been on a dry spell recently, but we'll be back. Uh, Jorge Masvidal. Okay. Um, I think uh, I had O'Malley three. I think I had Rose four. And I don't really remember my other pick. My fifth pick is like a, a rotational. It's like whoever fights that week, and I like they get the they get to be at yeah. the five spot. A little recency bias. Yeah, yeah. Tim, what were you gonna say? Oh, I was just gonna. What was I gonna? I was gonna ask you. What do you? I was thinking about this. Theoretically, if John Jones could go back to light heavyweight, just because you're here, just because we have a guy who likes John Jones here, and he'll talk. What do you think about him versus Jan? Now that Jan is like, because Jan handled Izzy really well, and Izzy and Jan be, are kind of in the. It, 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 I thought it'd be that a closer be, fight than most people would instantly like. I think, think, yeah, I think Jan would. Jan's smart. He's, I think he's an underrated champion who, truthfully, Definitely. everybody kind of overlooked prior to the Izzy fight, and now it's like okay, and if he beats Glover here. Who's really left in the? I guess he'll have Yuri from or Probaka, the year. Yeah, I was gonna say, Yuri. however you pronounce that name, he's like I the think, only guy that's sort of like left. I think it's Prohat. What is it? Hold on, let me look at it. Prohatska. Yeah, Prohatska. Prohatska. I think it's Prohatska. But yeah, I mean, that division is is shrinking. Yeah, I just I yeah. Feel- I feel for Dominic Reyes because he's kind of lost to like the top three guy. Like he's kind of, he's lost to like the top three or four, like he's lost to elite guys. And it's just like, he just keeps fighting like murderers every time. And it's, yeah, it's like they're doesn't good have an easy fight. <laughs> he needs a soup can. Yeah. He needs a, he needs to fight down or like yeah, fight, give like, him a, fight an upper comer. Give him like Paul Craig or somebody down these yeah. rankings. Let him bounce back. Yeah, someone Anthony Smith, like even or I don't know, they probably already fought. Anthony Smith fought like everyone. Anthony Smith has fought <laughs> everyone. It feels like with this division, around, I feel like Izzy, Izzy's gonna come back, but he'll probably he wait till Jan is done because Jan's like in his late thirties now. That's and true. I Jan hope. Is old. I hope his strategy this time around is like actually committing to adding weight sort mm-hmm. of like John Jones is doing now. Maybe not take as long, hopefully, but that's what I want Holloway to, is do it, to go to 55 is add more. Weight. I would love that. Yeah. But I mean, especially I, if like him and Volkanovsky remain just the only two guys up at the yeah. top there. Yeah. But I agree. I think I think Izzy. I think that's the way to do it if you're going to go up a weight class. Is you got to like put in time to like put on muscle and then yeah, and then go up because otherwise you're putting yourself at a pretty big disadvantage, especially yeah, when you get like that big, where Jan has like 25 pounds on you because it, it showed when they fought. Yeah, because Izzy was fighting at like 190. He said 
Jan was probably on fight night, like 225. Yeah. 230. Yeah. So he's got. All right. I'm going to. I want to pose a question out there. Out of Charles Oliveira, Kamara Usman, Israel Adesanya, and Jan Blahovich, who loses the belt first? Oliveira. Oliveira. I think he loses the Poirier. I agree. I think Poirier is just too big of it. I just think he's he's just I will say I don't I don't know if he wins. I know Poirier is probably the better fighter, but it's the UFC where yeah. literally anything could happen and I, I and I he just finds a way to kind of guts out sun. wins. He just kind of guts see. it out. I mean, yeah, he I, lost that first round to Chandler. Yeah, he got 10-8 in the first round according to one score scorecard. Oh, that was not a 10-8. Uh, that's a terrible. Was it Sal? Was it our was it, it was, our compromise it was, judge? It was. It was the compromise judge. It was whoever uh, Yeah, it, screwed the last card up. Yeah, who who's like screws every card up? Who like never makes it? Never does his job correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still allowed to judge fights. I think you guys are probably right with Oliveira. Like, I don't see Usman losing to Covington. Well, and even if he doesn't lose to Poirier, lightweight's a shark tank, like across the board. Yeah, like 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 there there's like he's gonna have to fight like Islam. He might have to fight Gaethje. Like he's going to fight like. These other just top tier, just like unreal guys, and it's hard unless you're Khabib, which makes, in my opinion, Khabib's kind of thing even more impressive. But all right, I'm gonna we'll end it. We'll end it on on one last UFC question. I want to ask you guys what if you guys had a dream fight to make? What's the fight to make? Because I know mine. Damn, that's interesting. Only active fighters. Yes, only fighters Ooh. fighting now. Guessing Khabib does not count as an active fighter. Khabib will not get to fight, and okay. we'll he, he can coach. He can coach whoever you want is fighting. Then I gotta look at some lists here. I got one, and it's gonna be a. I wonder if I we think- might have the same one. Usman Adesanya would that be was mine. A, would I was be thinking a that crazy fight with Usman's pressure and wrestling and everything versus I I don't it'll never happen because they're really close but yeah that would be a I was just looking at the they're number two and three on the pound for pound rankings like, yeah that that would be that was the fight I was I was uh, I was definitely looking at like if they weren't so close it it could possibly but. Uh, they're just they're two good friends and they don't like they don't want to lose a belt for Africa, but obviously you'd go to the other person. So it is what it is, but that's definitely what I was uh trying to bait you guys into saying. And I might this one uh looked low key realistic for a little bit like a year or two ago. John Jones versus Izzy. It did. It looked like it could two oh five. Mm-hmm. I mean I don't know if John Jones. It would. I think it's going to take a while for John Jones to cut back down to two hundred five. So I don't see we. I don't think we see him. I don't think he's ever doing that again. Yeah, Yeah. he does it. I think he's done there. Um, and I mean, Tim mentioned this earlier, but Max Holloway against any of the top lightweights would be sick. Yeah. Ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one out there, and it's not even like top guys. Jorge McGregor, Masvidal versus McGregor would be a sick fight as well. 
that that might break the pay-per-view record dude people would love that that would be insane could you imagine having it in like miami bad. oh that'd be incredible dana miami dana, or if Dublin, you're listening do it do it no you do gotta it, have it in miami know. you gotta have it in miami like it would be unreal you just sell out like i want i don't know if you like imagine if you did hard rock like the Dolphins. Stadium. I don't think you could do an outdoor stadium. Yeah, that'd be the UFC does not like doing outdoor stadiums. Mm, I'm trying to think what what else you could do. Is the Heat Stadium big enough? American Airlines. Um, let's see. How many people? Like, how many tickets do UFC usually even sell? I don't even know. They sell out. I'm, I'm, they do a good job of getting stadiums, but like that they'll be able to sell out. Like they sell team oval every time they're in Vegas. I'm pretty sure they sell out. Oh yeah. Places they go. Absolutely. Um, I'm still looking arena. I think. Yeah. So T-Mobile fits 20,000 people. Yeah. That's I would cool. imagine American airlines is around there. Oh, they changed it. FTX is now the name of it. It holds twenty one thousand. Okay, yeah, yeah, around there. Hard Rock is sixty five k. That's an insane amount of people. They sold out uh, the Marvel Stadium and yeah, that was like fifty k, sixty k, or something like that. That's insane. But that was for Izzy or Izzy Whittaker, which is like. Oh, that's both, right. Both from uh, and I think, they, I think Australia. Gonna, when are when are they going to do that fight? Are they going to put Are they going to put the lightweight and the middleweight title on the line in December as like an end of the year card? Are they just really going to use Poirier and they're just going to use all that like hype from from get all the eyeballs from all those different things on that fight? Jorge says he also wants to fight before the end of the year. And that's I want to I do want to I don't want to end on that yet I want to I want to talk about Jorge, but he did say like I've heard rumors of him versus Burns, him versus Edwards, and then obviously there's always going to be rumors of him versus uh, Diaz again, but I think him versus Edwards is the fight. I think that's the fight to make. And if Edwards wins, he gets a shot at the belt. Yeah, yeah, because Burns already got his shot. I think Burns is probably one fight. I mean, I don't know. Burns looked good against Wonder Boy. He he dirtied the fight up a little bit and was like, yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna let Karate Boy beat me using yeah. his using his moves. Like that's what you gotta like, but that's what we said before the fight. We said that's what he's gotta do to win, and that's kinda what he did. But yeah. it feels like Burns will have to wait though on his like next shot until mm-hmm. Edwards either loses or fights Usman though. Like he's next. Right. Yeah, I agree. Maybe Edwards, Masvidal, Burns, Diaz. Who given Diaz these top contenders? Diaz like, gets like, Diaz is so I fun though. See Diaz just go get punched for twenty five minutes. I don't know. He's but gonna Burns do that no matter who he fights. Like we just saw Burns, like beat the hell out of, not beat the hell out of him, but he won against Wonder Boy. He handled. So, like, him. I'd say he handled yeah. it pretty well. So you could say Burns is almost just like waiting for his shot now. Like, I don't know if he needs to prove anything. So maybe Diaz would work there. 
Yeah, he's just in the queue. I don't know. With the amount Diaz gets hit, and Burns seems to hit hard. That, oh, yeah. That may that – may, I mean, Leon Edwards well, we, doesn't we, really hit that hard. We say that but. with every fight, though, that Diaz is in. We said that about Edwards. We were like, Edwards is going to throw an elbow and just cut his face in half. He's gonna look like the boogeyman. Like <laughs> exactly hey, if that fight, <laughs> if that fight went like two or three more minutes, Edwards might have gotten starched. If he had, if Nate Diaz hasn't taunted him, taunted him when Leon Edwards is on fucking like wobbly legs, like yeah. stumbling backwards, and Nate Diaz is like pointing at him, it's like, no, you dumbass, go finish him, go knock yeah, him out, go knock him out. <laughs> See, we're gonna get we're gonna get the co-main event of of Diaz Burns, and it's gonna be a six-round fight for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Diaz is like, I'm only gonna fight if we get twelve rounds, like it's boxing. Hey, Nate Diaz, Chris Moutinho, like ten rounds, just see who uh, <laughs> see so you who just, can outlast they, the other. No one throws a punch because they just both expect to get punched in the face over and over again. Yeah, they don't know what's happening. <laughs> With that Moutinho fight was actually insane. Dude, that was yeah, incredible. Just kept walking forward, just eating bunches. It was like <laughs> sadistic. In the, end, in the end of the first round, when he got like thrown to the ground, he got up and just like didn't know where to walk or like how to stand yeah, up. Yeah, he, it he, was like, insane. Walked the wrong direction. He forgot he where like, he was for a second. It was like you, or you, like I. That round that should have just been called early. Like, there's no way. Oh, yeah. it should have gone three, but. We got our money's worth of. There was we got like our O'Malley money's separate worth. times. I thought O'Malley was gonna knock him out, and they just didn't. Well, he was too busy dribbling on him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was too busy. Being yes, he was. Chris Paul, like <laughs> sons and four. <laughs> that was so. <laughs> uh, damn. We need O'Malley. Okay, I'm kind of, I'm kind of scared of, I, because I'm a big O'Malley guy, and I've been watching. Who his, does he get next? Well, I've been watching his Instagram stories and. Every other weekend, he's out in Vegas or L.A. or Miami. Uh, let's get back in the gym, Sean. Come on now, <laughs> stop getting uh, gifts from Steve. We'll do it in a uh, six nine. Let's 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 get back to the punching bag, eh? But I mean, Tim and I have talked about O'Malley a lot. I want I want Garbrandt or Cruz. That's who I want O'Malley to fight next. I want to see Cruz. Yeah, Garbrandt's allegedly going down the 125. Really? Oh, is he yeah. really? Yeah. So, I think Cruz would be a good losing. One. I mean, I, I don't know if he. I don't know. I don't think he beats Mourinho down at 125. Or Figueroa, honestly. Yeah, Figueroa. I don't know. I don't know about Figueroa. Might need to go up. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, he looks like an actual corpse it. when he weighs in and, and fights. I was listening to a podcast. Apparently, he walks around like outside of camps at like 165. Jesus. Yeah, maybe 135 is because you will you you don't like you would still have your pop at one at 135. Like he's got obvious knockout power and he's pretty good on the ground. So I think 135 might be the place for him, just because he looks he looks like a shell of of a human in 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 flyweight at 125. All right, yeah, I just looked it up. For his last fight, he cut 39 pounds to make weight. So that's like... So 164 was what he cut from. Hold on, let me do the math. Sixty-four. 
He had to cut 23.8% of his body weight to get down to 120. That is no wonder why. Like he he looked like a, a skeleton and like couldn't move at all. That's incredible. He could go to featherweight, dude. That's how you solve the featherweight uh, lack of competition. He's too Figueredo. Yeah, he yeah, was really think he's tall enough. Like Moreno kind of towers over him. Cejudo Volk would be hilarious to watch. Just two midgets. <laughs> Fuck, where's where's his all right, thank you. I don't know what this means. His height is sixty-five according to the UFC. So whatever that means. Sixty-five, yes. Inches? Sixty-five inches, maybe? It can't be, right? What is that's five five? Yeah, that's about right. Reno's like five ten. I think I'll just give you his inches and we'll, we'll have to decide on that. He is. Holy cow. They've got enough new stories of him. He's, they say he's two inches taller, but I don't believe that. Looks more than that. He's, they say he's 67 with a 70 inch reach. Which I don't know. Also, I didn't know Moreno, Moreno was 27. So he really? might he might have that for a minute. Yeah, he's a – I think he'll be a – I think the UFC how, likes him too. Yeah, especially with how minuscule that, that weight class is. There's not very many guys. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this is a good stopping point. We uh, – we talked about our U- somehow it always turns to UFC, which I don't hate. I don't I don't hate it. I can talk about UFC for hours. But Lomar, it's always good to have you on. Tim, you're just a regular, so you know you know how nice it is to have you on. I mean, I think we're gonna have to bring Lomar on when when Stod's around just to to have them hash it out. Uh, the beef. The beef. <laughs> well, I mean, this we just started say, it at the beginning of this podcast. Yeah, yeah, we could say this this is an audition. A little tryout for Lomar. Uh, if Stott's not careful, we might have to send him down to our AAA affiliate. A little G League time for Stott. We just send him to DC and RC, who is our AAA affiliate because of how bad that, that <laughs> UFC show is. Of all the retired MMA dudes who are good on TV, they go with Ryan Clark. It was a bananas decision. I think they were just like, hey – his name, his nickname is RC, and uh, Daniel Cormier's is DC. It'd be funny if they were on a show together, wouldn't it? They just went down the alphabetical last names list until they got to C, and they're like that guy. They were just right next to each other on the ESPN roster. They're like Clark yeah. Cormier, perfect. That'll do. Whatever. Who cares? Well, I thought that it was going to be like a show. They would talk about other sports, and that's where like Ryan Clark would like lead it. Yeah, that would make sense. But no, they're they're like doing strictly MMA, and it's like, well, this is DC. Like DC's okay, like, he's fine at it, and then Ryan Clark is just like terrible. <laughs> well, DC's a company man; he'll go along with anything yeah. that ESPN says. Yeah, he's just the puppet. He he that dances around like whatever they say. It's perfect. It's fine. It'll work. Keep cashing them checks, DC. True. I mean, he is. I love him in the booth. For, for fights so 
I do like him as an announcer. I mean, I think we should get maybe DC and, and Rogan on other sports. I don't I mean, hate I don't it. I might actually watch a baseball game if DC and Rogan are in the booth with like maybe Tim Kirchin. Could you imagine those three? <laughs> what a squad. <laughs> add uh add Barkley and who knows what they're talking about. Oh my like, gosh. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. Uh, well, no, no. Stephen A's on everything already. Let's let's let him have a night yeah. off or something. <laughs> Poor man looks like Davidson Vigoredo out there after <laughs> after working 17 hours a day like he does. Right. DC Rogan and Charles Barkley in a baseball booth, but it's just the Joe Rogan podcast. They don't even mention baseball. <laughs> they don't talk about baseball. All baseball is is a podcast. It's like, oh, let's talk yeah. about this. Oh, and a deep drive out to left by Castellanos. That's a home run. <laughs> All I right, don't know if note. I'll ever be putting this headset on again. <laughs> we gotta end it. This is over. We're ending the pod. That's it. That's how it ends. Dave's about that check, boy. Came a long way from that Woodlawn Park. Now young old man, they push and push to start. Mr. Yellow Man got himself a little jam in my fetty in Japan because I do this shit for Mark. Playing in my shit through the phone. He tell me keep my foot up on his necks for the throne. You ain't really on. Tell all your niggas on. I tell him keep his head up and he set up when he home. Look, RP Kobe. Nigga, R.I.P. Kobe You was like a dad to a nigga, so I'm sad My nigga had to get you tatted on me I keep the niggas that I trust by my side Everybody want a piece of the pie There's a Buffy the body in every city And Sabi Tabi the hobby, so baby, get in the ride Bitch, you bad as fuck Swipe the visa Just watch what you spend, cause my mama need rain And my neck gotta look like a freezer I keep some pride on my ass I put Chanel on the back Shawty wanna sit on my face like a new chair I ain't gon' show it to your pep and it's all there uh-huh. Came a long way from that Woodlawn Park Now young old man, they push and push to start Mr. Yellow Man got himself a little jam Made my fetty in Japan cause I do this shit for Mark Playing in my shit through the phone He tell me keep my foot up on their necks for the throne You ain't really on, tell all your niggas on I tell him keep his head up and he set up when he home Back out I'm finna blow a back out I'm sipping on a mask, yeah Yellow suit like the mask now Sexy my nickname You'll bump this for six days This shit is so hard that I make a hate nigga do the motherfucking this face Fly ass nigga handsome Tantrum G got a little tecker, it's a ransom Don't play dumb motherfucker, it's the anthem I'm the lead little nigga, you the standard Okay, big money, big cash Pulling in this motherfucker, nigga, dick dash I'm in this bitch singing nothing to a bitch who mean nothing But I got a big heart with them big racks Came a long way from that Woodlawn Park Now young old man, they push a push to start Mr. Yellow Man got himself a little jam Made my fetty in Japan, cause I do this shit for Mark Playing in my shit through the phone He tell me keep my foot up on his necks for the throne You ain't really on, tell all your niggas on I tell him keep his head up and he set up when he home Yeah!